Exactly. If your uterus could talk, what would it say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's shedding season. Woohoo! <laughs> that one was awesome. <laughs> I like it. I'm Zara, and I run a blog called XO Velo based in Ottawa, Canada. Ready? Yes. Okay. I'm oh, I'm Naomi Tesler, and I'm a mother of two, and the artistic director and facilitator yeah. of Branch Out yeah. Theater. So, if your uterus could say anything, what would it say? Say, I have been a really warm and welcoming home. So, hi, my name is Dwayne Damla. I'm a second year biomedical science student at the University of Ottawa. If my uterus can talk on any regular day, I feel like it would probably match my personality, be a little bubbly, be a little happy. What would it say? It would probably tell me uh, to eat a little more healthier, just to keep it refreshed. Um, probably be excited if I'm exercising. <laughs> Uh, and probably saying, keep up the good work. Sounds like you're pretty in touch with your uterus. Yeah, we're pretty chill. We, <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> Pregnancy, birth, parenting, it means so many different things to so many different people. What does living a healthy reproductive life mean in the context of reproductive justice? Our birth conversations are the kind that often get left out of the mainstream. I promise, like life, we'll leave you with some answers, but perhaps more questions. These are birth conversations that matter. These are the birth talks. Are you ready? Hey everyone, welcome to the birth talks, an intersectional feminist podcast about birth conversations that matter. I'm your host, Mai Ngo. I am super excited. This is the very first episode of the birth talks. This show is a new space for everyone to engage with what happens before, during and after birth in a different way. I am so excited about this because as a doula and a birth professional in based in Ottawa, Canada, um, I've been experiencing a lot of really interesting things as I've been observing and, and studying um, things about birth. And what I've been seeing um, in my conversations with people around um, pregnancy, birth, parenting, whether it's someone who wants to be a parent or someone who doesn't want to be or someone who um, is unable to be. Um, there's so many layers going on with the conversations that I'm having. As the anti-racism advocate, um, I can't help but bring in a lens on intersectionality, which is basically just a fancy word for multiple identities. Why I'm excited for you to listen to this episode is I asked 11 different people about what would their uterus say if it could talk? I'm excited to share with you some of the different answers that different people gave. And so, enjoy! Je m'appelle Christelle et je suis une personne queer et non-conforme dans le genre. I'm Christelle and I'm a queer and gender non-conforming person. If my uterus could talk, it would say... The only time that you think about me is when you're annoyed with me. I think that's what it would say. Hi, I'm Julie. 
<laughs> I'm a new mom. I'm here with Arthur, who's seven weeks old. Uh, I work as a nurse, and I'm currently on maternity leave and just getting used to childcare and less sleep. If your uterus could talk, what would it say? That's an interesting question. <sighs> it's been through a lot lately, but it's also, I think, amazed by what it can do. I think after labor, it was a bit traumatized <laughs> by the process it went through. Um, but at the same time, it achieved amazing things. Um, so I guess my uterus is kind of me talking as well about my own experience. Um, but it's amazing how much it can grow and change and how strong it can be and then kind of go back to how it was before. Well, like, what did you experience during labor that made you think that your uterus, you know, has gone through a lot and now it's strong? Well, it's amazing that it's like a, the largest muscle at the time that can contract and push a living being out of you. Um, but the contractions that you go through are very intense. I, th I think no matter how much reading you do, you think that you're ready uh, and then you go through it and it's not something you can really describe. I felt a bit out of control. Um, it's hard uh, to keep your poise, your focus, so you need to really focus on your breath and, and you need a lot of reassurance as you go through it because it's a very intense feeling. Your uterus was contracting during labor. What did it feel like? To me, it was more of like a primal feeling where I'm kind of, it's happening and I have to go with it and I end up kind of like on all fours making sounds you'd never think that you would make. Um, so it's almost like a, kind of like getting to your animalistic side a bit. I don't actually know what sounds I made. You know you're making sounds, but it's happening kind of further away. I think the biggest sound is when you actually have the baby come out. It was like kind of a, a yell, but a release at the same time. Like, a, I don't even know what it was. I can't even recreate it now. There's a long, a long stage of pushing where you're kind of coming and going and you have that, what they call the ring of fire, but, but I guess the release and the relief that come with it too it's not so much doesn't feel then like a watermelon or a bowling ball it's just like a something that's supposed to happen so if you if your uterus could say something now after having given birth for the first time what would it say that was hard but rewarding and now that it's a bit further removed it feels like maybe it's something it could do again and maybe it would be easier the next time. Not still difficult, but but worth it. And they it would know what to do a bit more next time now that it's been through it once. Um, so my name's Shelby, and I, I run a website. Um, I also do like facilitation and public education. Um, I'm actually mixed race. So my mother was um, French Canadian, German American. So, you know, white, I guess you could say it in, in, in brackets. And my father um, lives in Nigeria, and he's, uh, he's from an indigenous community in Nigeria. And, um, yeah, and I am in my late 30s. Yeah, so if your uterus could could talk, what do you think it would say? Um, it's interesting. I think, like, again, it'd be reflecting a bit on, on age, because, um, like, um, when I was young and I first started getting my periods, I had really, really 
serious problem with what's called desmenorrhea, like very painful periods. Like I, I remember I was given like um, medication for people who had like osteoporosis. Like that was the level of pain medication I was given, and I'd often have to take off time from um, like school and just lay in bed and and just. You know, and I remember I'd often think like, oh, I wonder if this is what like labor pains are going to be like, because it was really bad. And I'd often get like even physically sick, um, like in terms of vomiting and that. And what's interesting is that change as soon as I started taking antidepressants. So now my periods are a lot lighter and not painful really at all. So I think it's been interesting because I would say like half of my years having periods um, have been really painful for, I guess, for my uterus. <laughs> And and now it's like things are really nice um, and pretty calm. But I think definitely, um, and I, I feel it definitely also in changes in my own hormones more so than when I was younger. Like, I think I feel sometimes that my uterus is really trying to get me pregnant because like when I was younger, I honestly wasn't very interested in the opposite sex in any way. <laughs> um, like definitely, you know, I knew it was heterosexual, but like just really wasn't interested. And now I find myself like, you know, at certain time of the month, I'm really like aware of the presence of men and their masculinity. And I really think it's my uterus just being like, we have like eggs here and nothing's been done with them. And I'm really upset about this. And it just, I think it's just trying to get me pregnant. So I think it's basically saying like, I really want to know what your plans are. We only have like maybe a few years left. Um, I want to get pregnant and I'm just like, listen, it's probably not going to happen. And I, so I think, yeah, my uterus, I think definitely is, is happy that, you know, periods are doing much better, but I think pretty unhappy about the fact that it's not, uh, it's not never got a chance to be pregnant. So. Does, so, so in terms of Shelby sans uterus, does any part of you feel um, sad that your uterus wants a baby, but you know, you're like, yeah, oh, that's not I think happen. so. I mean, I think there's a part of me that's sad more in terms of like, that's a cool thing about our biology, right? Like, it's a cool thing about having a uterus and all the things it could do. Um, so it, it's, it's, I guess there's a part of me that is a bit sad, but you know, there's also a part of me that's sort of just like, you know, that things have gone well for my uterus, it hasn't had a lot of struggles. Um, when I think about other people, like I know people have had to have their uteruses removed because of just a lot of problems with it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm sad in that way, but I'm sad, you know, like it's, it's still better that it was more an issue of like just something that didn't happen as opposed to like a lot of bad things that happened to it, you know? Um, so it's, you know, like it's, it might feel disappointed, but at least it's not, you know, gone through a lot. Okay. So it's Wendy Lanawet. I'm a First Nation Ojibwe woman living in Ottawa for the last 24 years, and I'm also the coordinator of the Ottawa Aboriginal Coalition. So if your uterus could talk, what would it say? (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh, that is a hard one. I wish that I were healthier and able to have more children because I was pregnant at one point and I had a miscarriage and I was 35 years old and they found that I had some kind of um, infection or something like that and was only discovered, it was something that was discovered in the States, hadn't even been discovered here in Canada yet. And the only reason they found out was because I had the miscarriage 
and um, I, my husband and I both had to go on antibiotics and abstain for uh, three months in order to get rid of it. So after that, I had to be very careful. So when I got pregnant, it was about uh, maybe a year later because I had my son when I was 36. No, 37. Yeah, so just over a year later, and I had to be very careful. And then my son was born with autism. And I always wondered if that was part of that. And um, he was also in a frank breach position, so I had to have a C-section. And then three years later, I got pregnant with my daughter and um, had to have a C-section with her as well. So that's why I say, and then after that, um, the doctor suggested I have my tubes tied while I was having my C-section so that I wouldn't have any more children. Yeah, so that was really because I had always wanted to have a large family, and so did my husband. But kind of think that the reason things happened as they did after um, the mis- miscarriage was a result of whatever was in my body. And to still carry that that the that miscarriage in your body and in your mind right till almost 60, that's very heavy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, because it was very hard for me, but it was also very hard for my husband to realize that this is what was going on. But there was no um, complete reasoning behind it, you know? So, yeah, it was just, it was was a pretty hard time and uh, very emotionally draining for both of us. And and your uterus, like, because just in the answer that you told me, still remembers remembers that um, very big event in your life from that time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's something that I don't think about a lot, or don't I don't really discuss it with anybody. But it's it's as soon as you asked me that question, that's why it was kind of hmm. <laughs> Because it, it just brought that back, which which is fine. It was just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wendy's willingness to share her story really moved me. And I started to think even further about how do we even begin to form the relationships that we do have with our bodies? And this led it into me asking six-year-old Nicole what she thought her uterus would say. Um, my name is Nicole. Oh, I'm I'm six, six and and I like apples and bananas. So I've got a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Okay. Okay. Do you know what your uterus is? Um, it's a part of our body that can make a baby. Yeah, that's right. So if if your uterus could say anything, um, what do you think it might say? Hello, there's a baby in here. <laughs> Hello, there's a baby in here. <laughs> Leave me alone. I have to grow with that baby. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone? That's so funny. And why do you think it would want to be left alone? Well, because 
has work to make the baby grow. Yeah, it doesn't need to be disturbed, I guess, huh? <laughs> I love how Nicole answered without hesitation what her uterus would say. It was it was awesome. And you know, I I just I just started thinking about my own relationship um with my uterus and you know, as a kid, would I ever have known what my uterus would have said? Um would I have known what my uterus was? And I couldn't help but wonder what a uterus was in Vietnamese. I didn't even know that in my own first language, you know? And apparently Neither did my mom. Cái uterus sẽ yeah. tiếng Việt. Sao mình nói uterus tiếng Việt? Cái gì con? Cái, Cái uterus, uterus hả? Yeah. Mẹ cũng biết tiếng Việt <cười> Mẹ nghĩ là 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 cái tử tử cung á. Mẹ nghĩ vậy á. You Yeah, in case you're wondering what's happening, that's my mom and my dad debating on what uterus actually means in Vietnamese. I didn't know really what to think, the fact that my dad was telling my mom what a uterus was. Um, and I thought it was actually super cute because she proceeded to um, tell me that she didn't actually know what a uterus did. And then she was wondering what the difference was between a uterus and a placenta. No, no, cái placenta là gì? No. So eventually I did ask her, if your uterus could talk, what would it say? Nếu cái tử cung của mẹ nói thì tử cung của mẹ sẽ nói gì? Oh, I done my duty. <cười> now. <cười> now I can relax. And enjoy my quiet time. <cười> I'm retired. <cười> okay. No, bà không có dùng chữ retired mà I'm I'm done my duty. You know, my mom came from a different generation than me, um, but, you know, there's so many factors as to why she may never um, have learned about what her uterus did, even after having given birth to two kids still not being in touch with certain parts of her body. I remember she even shared with me when she was pregnant at 20 um, that she was actually really embarrassed about being pregnant, which was very different than my own experience of of really um, loving my pregnant body and just embracing all of those aspects. The next conversation that I had was with Shani, one of my colleagues from the midwifery education program at Ryerson. Hi, I'm Shani. I'm a 33-year-old black queer, cis woman from the Caribbean. I'm a midwifery student, a non-biological parent, an amazing four-year-old, and also a public health consultant. If your uterus could talk, what do you think it would say? Ha. Uh, dear Shani, you've cursed me and neglected me for years. You've fared me on a monthly basis from the time you were 13 when I first shed my walls. All you worry about is how much your cramps are going to hurt and Back then, you worried about how you would not get pregnant, even though you weren't having sex. Then you realize you're gay, and well, what's the point of me, right? All you complained about this is how me doing my monthly job has interfered with your sex life. Look, bitch, I am your sex life. I am the reason you have those amazing tits and that ass that defies gravity. I am the reason that you get wet and turned on. You think your brain runs me? Nah, I run things. They do not run me. 
I swear you're only keeping me because you're worried that if you got rid of me or did that balloon ablation shit, it would interfere with your ability to orgasm. You're after all these women who don't love you back. Oh, oh, this sounds familiar. I can totally relate to how that feels. How about putting some of that energy and attention into your own body for a change, especially me? It's taken you 32 years and two career changes to sit down and really learn about me. And now, now you realize how freaking amazing I am. Penises ain't got shit on me. I can build a new human and I can spit it out. I literally decide about life and death. Bow down and treat me right. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome. So like so like in the beginning then, like what why do you think you were not putting that attention to yourself? Um, because I've never ever had the desire to have kids. And so my understanding growing up was that your uterus is there to make a baby, house a baby, make a baby, right? Your ovaries are there to, you know, make eggs that will get fertilized. Your uterus is there to, like, host, you know, a new, a new life, etc. And for me, I never had the urge to get pregnant and give birth. I've never actually ever felt that. Um, but it wasn't until I met my co-parent, my ex-wife, that I was like, who wanted to get pregnant? I'm like, oh, like, this is a big thing. But even then, like, the thought of me... As she was going through it and had a hard time getting pregnant and people joked, oh, you're younger, you should probably be the one to get pregnant. And I'm like, no, that's not an option, right? Even like, oh, you guys should have a second and you should care. I'm like, no, that's not an option. Like I've never, even having had a kid, even being midwifery student, being present at birth and watching people go through the pregnancy and give birth and everything, I do not have that desire to have birth. I think at some point later on, I then learned about reading some study that there was a thought that the uterus it's part of the female orgasm. I'm like, well, forget that idea about having a hysterectomy because I kind of really like to come. So <laughs> um, I don't want to do anything that will mess it up. So it's like, okay, a couple of days of pain once a month, a little bit of blood, I can deal with that. I'm not, I'm not messing up anything, right? And um, so, yeah, but then starting to really understand later on about, like, you know, the foods that I eat or things that I do, things I can do to support my uterus. And then how that then will impact everything else. And then I really started to understand the importance of like paying attention to my body, paying attention to my cycle and everything. And, you know, being able to support that um, with food or water or like taking cognitive Um, My friend's a Chinese medicine doctor and getting herbs to support myself through that. Um, to kind of, because, you know, when, you have, when I'm not sleeping well, you're not eating well, like it throws everything off. Um and moods especially, right? So we don't there's so much about the uterus we don't understand beyond just that it it's supposed to supposedly supposed to have a baby. And and oftentimes yeah. we dismiss it like at, there's there's like the other spectrum where it's like, oh you're on you're PMSing, so we dismiss it. So your feelings somehow aren't like as they're they're always treated as very separate. Like, oh your body's doing this, so therefore your emotions aren't valid. But it's, it just doesn't yeah. work like that. If I'd known this since I was younger, I'd probably get into, like, way less fights with my partners than, you know, is <laughs> what I'm recently learning. Because if I think back about it, any time I've gotten in, into trouble in relationships, it's always been around right before my period comes. Oh, and I, I, I agree. Like, when my, when my, um, one of my lovers right now, I've noticed we've been seeing each other for a while. And, you know, from the beginning, she said, you know, like, at this point in, um, I don't like, I'm at this point in my cycle where I'm like, I'm really 
cranky and paranoid and snippy and I'm going to lash like, let's cancel a date tonight. Like, she's been that aware for stuff. I think that's so smart. Yeah, because, like, your uterus, in a way, could be, like, your third eye. Because yeah. it's just highlighting what's going on for you, but in a more way more pronounced way. So, like, exactly. huh. Yeah, you cannot hide when your period's coming around the corner. All that stuff that you're worried about, it's, like, amplified. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The monster in me that comes out right before I get period is just because I've got a lot of unresolved issues. I mean, my uterus is being like, yo, look at it. Pay attention. Pay attention. Oh, yeah. I loved that conversation with Shani. It was raw, it was direct, and it was mind-opening. That's it for today, folks. If you love this episode, please leave the podcast a review or subscribe on iTunes to keep it going. Join me for the next episode where we continue to dig apart intersectionality. In part two of If These Uteruses Could Talk, we delve deeper into the complexities of identities with guest Mickey Bradshaw. Think you have a birth conversation that matters and want to share? We're always looking for stories, so contact me at www.thebirthtalks.com or on Facebook. If you have comments about today's episode, find me on Twitter or Facebook at The Birth Talks or use the hashtag The Birth Talks. I'm your host, Mingo, and until next time, live life, love true, and keep it real. This episode was brought to you by Venus Envy, an Ottawa and Halifax-based award-winning sex shop and bookstore with something for everyone.